Welcome to season four of the Dynamic Leader Podcast. My name is Shelley Flett. I believe that leadership at its core requires strong relationships, the ability to sit in a space of genuine curiosity and the courage to build capability in others. I believe great leaders are lifelong learners, and so my intention is to help you to continue your learning journey by bringing you new perspectives from experts in their field. I hope you enjoy this conversation. Hi, everyone, and welcome back to another Dynamic Leader Conversation. So in this conversation, we are talking about disruption, uh, but not at a business or a world level. We know that there's a lot of disruption going on um, all the time, I think. Uh, We're actually talking about self-disruption, something that I actually don't think I know much about, but we'll um, we'll definitely hear more about it. I have um, author Anne Duggan um, joining us today. Um, She wrote a book with her colleague, uh, Dr. Jefferson Eugen Chen, about courageous invitations. And so really looking forward to having a conversation with Anne about the book and what that brings um, in terms of valuable resources to leaders and teams and individuals. So a little bit about Anne. She has over 25 years experience in leading vast multidisciplinary teams um, in senior executive roles in complex and challenging environments. She's an advocate for bringing her best self and our best self to every engagement as in, and is focused on the magic um, created by unlocking value in teams to drive success. So um, her uh, co-author, um, Jeff can't join us today, uh, but he uh, is part of the full-time faculty at the Gordon Institute of Business Science, um, University of Pretoria, and the founder of Forward Notion Advisory. So looking forward to hearing um, you know, what insights um, Anne has and to be able to speak on Jeff's uh, part as well. But thanks for joining us, Anne. Thanks, Shelley. It's great to be here. So Courageous Invitations is really alluring title. <laughs> if you were to summarise Courageous Invitations, how would you do that? So we thought long and hard about what the title of this book should be. And the reason we titled it Courageous Invitations is because we think um, that courage is actually at the core of um, self-disruption and being courageous and believing in yourself and in what you can achieve um, is one of the secrets to success, both as an individual, um, whether you're um, in business or, you know, working in a corporate environment um, or whether you're just looking at your own personal life. Mm. I see courage being used um, a, a little bit in the leadership space, but I think that often we shy away from stepping into that does that come down to our background, what we're exposed to? Can you can you build courage? Can you learn to be more courageous? Absolutely, Shelley. Um, so courage actually brings with it um, freedom and freedom in mindset, freedom in approach, freedom in actually looking at the opportunities that are around us in the world. And a lot of people are actually, um, including myself in the past, um, are very much constrained by our own thinking um, and by the fears that we carry with us. And, you know, there are many fears that we um, have wired within ourselves that um, we develop from a very young age and we continue to develop as we move through our professional lives and our personal lives. 
So, you know, the concept about being courageous um, is important personally and, you know, Jeff and I believe it's really important from a leadership perspective because what it allows you to do is really stand up and, you know, spark that courage within yourself and actually use it to influence um, both where your life is going and that's something we've really sought to do in our book, Courageous Invitations, is um, allow others to understand how to apply some of these concepts to their own personal development as well as um, in their professional lives as leaders. So for me um, as a senior exec um, and someone who has led very, very large teams, I think having courage is really important. Um, one of the things that we do focus a lot in the book is about purpose, um, goals and focus. And we talk about um, a lot of the theory that you see today around, you know, the why from Simon Sinek and the importance of having your purpose aligned to the purpose of your organisation. And we actually challenge those concepts. Um, yeah. And that's all at the heart of being that courageous individual or that courageous leader. Yeah, I, I'm so glad you brought that up. I was going to ask, there's this um, obsession or this super hyper-focus on um, finding your passion and finding your purpose. Uh, and I know, like I know you talk about it in the book and you give some really great examples, but I know myself when I was, I, can, I think I can remember this even at primary school, is teachers were, were saying find your passion. Purpose wasn't part of it, but passion definitely was. And I remember going through high school and thinking about what is it that I'm passionate about? And I got to a, a point in my life, probably 10 years ago, where I'm like, I'm passionate about so many things. I'm not just going to be one thing. And and I then I started to reflect on where did that come from? Because my parents certainly weren't talking about passion. And I think today we're not really, where did it, where did it come from? <laughs> so, um, you know, we explored this quite extensively um, as we looked at all the theories that people have um, espoused over the years around, firstly, purpose. Um, so I'll talk about that and then I'll come to passion, which we actually refer to as zest because we think it's a little bit more than just being passionate. And so um, in the context of purpose, what we've, what we've found um, is actually it's okay not to have that purpose. Um, and the reason for that is, is that at the core of what drives us is actually probably two more important things, and that is focused and zest, or zest or passion. So what zest actually does is it builds that energy and creates that positivity that you need. It opens your mindset to actually see those opportunities around you and actually provides um, a guiding light to finding the things that are really important to you. It aligns your values and it brings you, it centres you to where you want to be as an individual and the things that you actually want to achieve. So we look at Zest um, in a very different context where throughout the book we sort of encourage the readers to actually self-reflect and self-reflect on a number of concepts and actually accept that it's okay to have a purpose today, but it might not be the purpose of tomorrow. It might be something that you're still discovering as an individual. But what we encourage you to do is actually, um, and we introduce a concept of GPS satellites, and we, we take the reader along a journey and we ask them to actually consider that your GPS satellites are the things that actually guide you. And 
the GPS satellites together with Zest are the things that actually help you find that purpose or help you find that success. And they actually help you develop that abundance mindset, focus on the things that are really important for you and actually achieve your outcomes. And one of the examples, we talk a lot about um, different examples in the book, but one of the ones we do um, bring to life is I'm sure everyone knows Sarah Blakely um, and her story with Spanx. And, you know, for Sarah, um, one of the things we looked at was, you know, where she started to where she ended up um, running a, you know, multi-million dollar empire um, with the Spanx brand. And, you know, she was a door-to-door salesperson. Um, She had absolute zest and gusto. She knew what she wanted. It wasn't necessarily um, the same thing um, when she started to where she is today. But what she had is a determination and a focus and a, a real drive internally and the passion to actually first off achieve a business that generated $20 million of revenue every year. And that's what drove her. It was that insatiable need that she had to actually achieve those things that were important to her. It's so great to hear stories about how people have, you know, managed to become successful. When in those early stages where, you know, she was looking at going down the pathway of um, law and then decided not for her, um, you think early on, like it's all great in hindsight and it's nice to talk about this stuff in hindsight, If I think about leaders and the younger generation, you know, the Gen Zs who've entered the workplace today and wanting to kind of get there and, you know, I know my purpose, I know what I'm passionate about and this is what I want right now is I don't think they get it. I don't. And, and like, how do you, how do leaders navigate that conversation? Because even as you were talking, I was thinking, I actually think the way that my teachers framed passion back when I was at school actually was purpose. And I had really no idea what they were talking about. I was just like, well, I don't like that. And I do like that. So how do you navigate that? I think it's really difficult um, for the generation coming up. So um, I have, as I mentioned, I've had big teams and a lot of them are um, sort of coming through from university or through trades. And, you know, I mentor a lot of people, particularly um, women and in male-dominated industries such as construction and infrastructure. And I see it all the time where, um, you know, the young guys come through and they they are committed. You know, I want to be an investment banker. I want to do this. I'm, And I always say to them, you know, I talk about myself because I'm one of these people. I went to university. I did accounting and law. Um, you know, I thought I wanted to be a business person that did all of these things. And I sort of think about it, and we've talked about this in the book um, as an analogy, which is basketball. And, you know, if you think about a basketball, it bounces up and down. And, you know, through life, you, you go through these um, fluctuations of feeling that you want to be something and then you want to be something else. And so I always say to everyone, you've got to be in the moment. Um, And that's another concept that um, we talk about a lot in the book because being in the moment is actually part of driving that passion and inspiring that true interest and focus within yourself to achieve something. So going back to your question, Shelley, I think the most important piece of advice that I give to people now is is that your life actually has many different um, points and inflections and what you are today 
does does not mean um, you're going to be that tomorrow. So, you know, you might start as a scientist and actually Jeff is a classic example of this. Jeff did a PhD in chemistry and, you know, he's now um, working firmly in business advising on business strategy. Um, He probably never thought he would do that, you know. Um, He, together with my husband actually, went to university together. They thought that they were going to be um, on a very different trajectory. And, you know, look at where he is today. And I think I'm the same. So I encourage everyone to actually think about some of the concepts that we've discussed in the book. And the one in particular, and this sort of takes us to the point of self-disruption, Shelley, is the S-curves of life. Um, And I don't think this is really a concept that's well understood, particularly by um, the younger generation, because it's not something that's taught to us when we're at school. And, you know, understanding that it's actually okay that your stories that you create for yourself daily collide at various different points in your life. And you've got to be really open to the opportunities that are around you. And coming back to that point around fear and courage and giving yourself those invitations is step out, have courage, um, you know, generate um, that ability within yourself to see what else is out there for you rather than putting yourself on a single pathway and saying that's what I'm going to do and I'm going to do that for the next 40 years because we're no longer in the 1950s or the 1960s where, you know, like my parents, had the same job for 35 years and, you know, retired in in the same organisation that they started with. Um, we're, we're in a really different world. We're in, a, we're in an agile world and we're in a world that's full of disruption and different thinking and we've all got to be agile as individuals. Totally agree with that. I, I wonder whether it's less about the story that we're going to have the one career for life or there's going to be that one thing because I... Mm-hmm. I haven't spoken to many young people who are about that. You know, they they know that there's going to be multiple careers that they have throughout their life. My my bigger concern, and I I wonder on your thoughts on this, is if it doesn't feel good, I'm not going to do it. Yeah. And so where does courage kind of fit into the, like, rolling your sleeves up and just doing something like I'm having this conversation with my 11 year old at the moment who says I want to be a professional motorbike rider and I'm like that's great he goes you don't support me I said I don't fund you I do support you (laughs) he goes well I'm 11 how am I going to get the money I'm like use use your imagination roll your sleeves up actually you know do some hardware I actually do say it like that as well like there's a difference I will support you but I'm not going to fund something that and so my concern with my children is they've got no grit and yeah. and I and I feel like am I old fashioned? Like, <laughs> is there still a place for that? I think um, you know it's a really important point that you make. I think um, zest actually generates grit. So you know, having that deep passion um, is the thing that actually drives that true determination. Um, and I think that's often missing because people today, um, as they come through school. Um, they look around the world. There's so many things that you could possibly do, but it's actually not um, finding that connection with um, who you are. And one of the things um, I'm a really passionate, as I mentioned, a really passionate advocate of flow theory um, and positive psychology. And one of the core concepts of that um, 
is around actually understanding when we're in flow. And what that means is being completely immersed and completely enjoying the activity and the process that we're in. And I think that that's something that's actually not taught to children today because that's also part of the concept of finding those GPS satellites, creating that real focus and zest that you need. And also looking at, um, and this is not creating boundaries for yourself, but at the core of flow theory is that flow happens when a person's skills are fully involved in overcoming a challenge or dealing with something or learning a new skill or dealing with the thing in front of you. And what it drives is a couple of things um, such as better emotional regulation, greater enjoyment and fulfilment, you know, increased happiness, um, increased engagement, all of that actually opens the world to new opportunities. And that's actually what we've got to teach our children. So if your son's passionate about motorbike riding, amazing. But does it mean he has to be a professional motorbike rider? Definitely not, because there are so many ways that you can actually enjoy that that thing um, that sparks your interest or creativity or that intrinsic motivation within yourself. So rather than to become a professional motorbike racer, it is more about what is it that drives your desire to do that and then how do you just hold that space? Yeah. Exactly. And I think the other point um, which I always make is to be truly in flow, you've actually got to consider the level of actual enjoyment and fulfilment that you get from something. And um, it's really important that you actually look at your small successes and micro moments along the way. So, you know, often today, and I, I find this a common thing that happens is, People set these, you know, hairy, audacious goals. And we we touch on it in the book. And I see this more and more, you know, I need to be, you know, the world leading person in X field. And it's coming from an 18-year-old. And I sort of say to them, look, I, I'm really heartened by the fact that you're so committed to this thing that you have articulated as being important. But actually what we need to do is look at those micro moments, those small successes that you have in your life, because what those small successes do is actually change the pathway for yourself. And, you know, today you might want to be, um, you know, a world-leading industrial chemist, but tomorrow you might be like Sarah that has a brand, um, you know, like Spanx. And it's not something that you've always intended to do. And one of the examples that we talk a lot about in the book um, is what Steve Jobs did with Apple. And I know that there's a lot of conjecture around how he led the organisation and what he did. But one of the really important points that we sort of make is um, he was always in the moment. And for him, you know, this question of why wasn't about the why for Apple. It was the why for Apple's customers. And that's the that's the concept that I think we have to apply to ourselves um, and talk to our kids about, um, talk to the next generation about, because that's what's going to truly drive that self-disruption, create those various S-curves throughout your life and actually open up those opportunities to do something different. So how does an individual do that? You know, you talk about um, Steve Jobs being the why for the customer. How does that apply to me as the individual? Is that the why for 
someone else? Like, is that yeah. the why for how I contribute? And then how does that fit into younger generations? <laughs> yeah. So we talk a lot about um, some quite different concepts. And one of the ones that we're quite passionate about is actually um, reciprocal contributions. And there's a couple of things um, about the way that people operate today, um, which is quite different to what we might have seen throughout history. And in the book, we, and I always chuckle when I think about it, but, you know, during COVID, we saw the rise of the, you know, the Ken or the Karen and that really individualistic approach to, um, you know, who I am, how I live my life, my own selfishness around, you know, what I do. And I think, um, and Jeff is quite passionate about this as well. Um, when anyone speaks to Jeff, the first thing he does is he openly gives of himself. And I think that's a really important um, characteristic personally to um, engender in the next generation because what you can have is you can have strategic selfishness. Um, so you can be selfish um in terms of generating the right outcomes, but you've actually got to further those outcomes by actually looking at your stakeholders and everybody around you and how you can actually give and contribute to what they're doing as well. And one of the, the key things I think that I've learned through life, and this is something I was never taught and I had great mentors and I was really lucky, is that, you know, we all talk about collaboration and working together, but that's where the magic truly happens. So for me, when I mentor and coach um, younger people coming through, particularly women um, in male-dominated industries, what I always say to them is um, no matter which way you look at things, look at what your network is doing, look at who your network is, and actually find those people um, that are key to actually helping you either see what you need in life or to identify and work through the opportunities to deal with your fears, to help you be courageous, to support you, to talk to you, to do whatever you need to actually, you know, ad to address that fear that you have personally to take that next step, to help you with the right mindset. But most importantly, to look at how you can actually leverage each other and each other's skills to actually achieve something together. And I think that's the secret to, you know, um, building big businesses, running large corporates or being a great leader in whatever area that you're in, mm. unless you're truly collaborating with others around you and openly contributing to them without the expectation of getting something back, you'll never truly be successful. Yeah, I totally agree with that. And I think it's also about the ability to let go of people within your network who don't then align or don't fit your direction or, you know, wherever they get in the way of the zest, um, but maybe they never used to. And so it's that monitoring, isn't it? It is. And it, what it's about, and it comes back to, you know, the very first point about purpose is, you know, your purpose and your passion can actually change over time. Mm -hmm. So, you know, if we're very centred to what's important to us and what's navigating us along this journey, you know, we find people at different points in time that add different value to us and that we add different value to them. And that's what's really important. And that's all part of this self-disruption um, concept that we've also dealt with in the book and sort of those S-curves of life because, 
you can't actually really create those S curves for yourself. And, you know, our lives are not linear, as I've said. So to create those S curves, you've actually got to create that right cocktail and bring those stories and people together. And that that's what it's all about in life, in business and in, you know, professional um, engagement across the world. And one of the things I think also um, I'm, I'm quite passionate about personally, I've worked internationally um, quite extensively with different cultures and um, different sorts of businesses. And one of the things um, I always um, reflect on is just the breadth of value that others bring to your life. And, you know, Australia is a really small place, ultimately, and just the colour and the landscape and the different approach and mindsets brings a wealth of um, not only information but um, approaches that we can all learn from. And if you do have that openness to, you know, be courageous and, you know, be open to new things, you can get so much more out of, um, you know, every situation in your life. And so how do people who have, you know, this concept around loyalty and and having a set group of friends and, you know, that's these are my people and can be quite closed off or not open and accepting of, of new things is are they missing an opportunity to be more successful than what they are right now? I think, um, you know, honestly, I think we all have that in our life at a certain point in time. And, you know, the example that, um, you know, I I often talk about is the peer group of friends at school Um, and, you know, being quite tight and all working and thinking in the same sort of way. I think what happens in life is that you sort of have to pause and take stock of um, what's around you. And the more you do that, the more you realise that you do need more than just a very small circle of friends. So the small circle of friends are really important because, you know, they're your pit crew, they're your trusted advisors, they're, they might be your support network, but they're not necessarily always the ones that are going to get you where you need to be. And success is different for different people. So um, we don't say that one thing is successful versus another. What we say is success is measured by you. And it's actually really important that throughout your life, you actually look at what success is and, you know, how do you actually use your own passion, um, zest and that navigation of life to enhance your curiosity and learning Mm -hmm. and meet different people and see what they have to offer you. You don't have to be, you know, best buddies, but what you can be is um, people that work collectively to achieve common outcomes or your own um, goals in certain circumstances. Yeah, for sure. And really um, that focus from self to others helps to open that up when you've got Absolutely. that. Absolutely. Yeah, in your network. Um, you you talk about selfishness um, being um, good for you, but you then talk about self-centeredness. Um, are you able to elaborate or, or share your thoughts around like what what's the difference between selfishness and self-centered? Yeah, so, you know, a lot of people um, think of the, the concepts as interchangeable. And I think what, what we've said in, um, in, in the research that we've done, we've looked a lot about 
um, you know, the as I mentioned earlier, the rise of the Ken or the, the Karen, that individualistic focus. Um, you know, there's a lot of um, selfishness that comes from that, which is I'm only going to look at myself and I'm going to think about what I contribute or what I'm doing in this world and I don't care about the other things around you. But then there's another concept, which is you can actually be um, selfish strategically, but you can um, actually, and that's part of that self-centeredness concept, but also still look at what's going on around you and take a really self-directed and rational approach on, on a cause and effect kind of basis and look at if I'm furthering my own interests, what am I doing to help others around me? And am I working as an individual or should I be, you know, more collective and working as that group or, you know, uh, peer group or whatever it is? And I think um, often, um, you know, through my career, you know, at times I think I've been truly selfish because I've been focused on something and I just stick to it and I focus. But I sort of um, reflect on that and I think what's always been at the heart of that is that the value of others um, in my environment may not have been apparent to me. And often um, that's at the centre of why we're selfish because we actually can't see that value and we can't see those opportunities that people are actually bringing to us. So I think that's sort of at the core of the two concepts. Um, you know, we've given a lot of examples to the readers in the book around, you know, where the concepts come from. I won't focus on those now, but, you know, we think it's really important to kind of understand um, how the concepts drive different behaviours and how those behaviours are applied both in um, your personal environment from a self-development perspective but also in that corporate environment because I think with the, um, you know, where we've been corporately, um, you know, with COVID, with the the economic conditions, you see a lot of selfishness in leadership happening where people are self-invested in, you know, again, it's a fear thing. I'm self-invested in my role. I'm fearful that if I open up and share that, you know, someone's going to take my job even as a very basic example. And I think it's looking at that concept um, and where we find ourselves in the circumstances that we're in. Mm. And you know, how we view the world, I think, is really important. And one of the things um, we also really advocate, and um, Jeff's a huge advocate of positive psychology, is looking at your own mindset. And in, in the book, we talk about a number of different models and a number of different theories. But we think that it's really important to have a look at your mindset and think about where you're at. And we talk about a concept of inner advisors. Um, and the inner advisors concept is actually a really key thing um, to help you really understand where you're at and which inner advisor is actually driving your thinking, the language that you're using, you know, the thoughts um, and your interactions with other people and all the things that are sort of happening around you and to moderate those. Um, and so I sometimes I do wonder about the inner advisor for leaders becoming the external voice and you're needing to be really careful about how we pass judgment on others that, you know, on one hand, you've got someone that is selfish and won't do any more than what they're supposed to do. On the other hand, you've got someone who's got no boundaries and they're bordering on exhaustion and burnout. And, you know, so 
Um, and often you hear leaders kind of um, pigeonholing or, you know, categorizing someone as being, well, they're really selfish or, you know, they're really giving. We, we've got to be careful about our language as leaders, don't we? We do very much so because um, one of the things that we really um, seek to point out, which a lot of people don't understand, is that you actually have multiple identities and depending upon the circumstance that you find yourself in, um, different identities often come out at different points in time. It might be different points in time in your life. It could be at different points in time, you know, even over a space of a few months because there are certain triggers that people have in terms of their mindset, their own learned behaviours and other things and fear, of course, that drives us to do certain things in an environment. So I think as leaders we've got to be really cautious to actually understand the environment that we're working in and what triggers that environment has for people. And I think particularly in an environment where, you know, we've seen recently, um, you know, in the tech world, for example, there's lots of layoffs and, you know, other things happening where the industry is being disrupted. And rather than um, characterising or labelling people as being something, we should be seeking to understand why they're behaving in a particular way and actually help them to look at their multiple identities and you know, talk to themselves, um, and I know that that's a slightly odd concept, but it's actually a healthy one where we actually explore within our own minds um, how we're feeling and what identities are the ones that are taking over. And, you know, you talk about that person that gives and has no boundaries. Um, that's me to a T. Um, I, I often find it really difficult to set those boundaries, lesser today than I have over time, but, you know, it, it's that um, constant forging forward that um, drives me to do certain things. And, you know, I have this self-talk now which questions what I do and, you know, I use those GPS satellites where I look for those um, beacons to sort of say you're doing it again and you've got to get back on track. It's about bringing all of these concepts together. And one of the other things um, I think is really important, and this is a concept, again, Jeff is very passionate about, is ampersand thinking. Yeah. And the reason why we decided to include that in the book is that what ampersand thinking does is it actually opens our minds to look at all the different options and concepts that we have um, in front of us and also the different scenarios that we have and often to bring that disruption to ourselves and to look at the situations differently and connect them, connect those dots differently in the way that we operate and do things. And I think that that's a really important tool. It's not well understood. It's not taught, for example. Um, you know, it's a very simple concept, which is, you know, the ampersand or the mm, you know, short and. form and. Um, and it's it's just it's the either or or the and and it's the looking at the concepts and the way that things interact together. And what you find is that um, by bringing um, very basic innovation theory um, to the table, you can actually really effectively self-disrupt your thinking. And I think at the core, um, which we, we've really sought to emphasise, is this self-disruption doesn't have to be massive. It doesn't have to be the be-all and end-all. It can be really little things that you do every day. It's change one little habit, change one little behaviour, change a thought, change the words you use. 
And it's that cumulative effect that actually gets you to ultimately where you want to navigate yourself to and achieve those goals and other things that you're looking um, to get out of life. I love when I read the ampersand um, thinking part in your book, I was, I, I did get a little bit excited about it because I do love the concept of um, non, it's not this binary. It's not, it's not yes or no. It's not black. It's not white. It's that you can hold multiple, even from a perspectives point of view, you can hold multiple perspectives about things in parallel and they can be, completely in contradiction to each other, but that it's still okay. And I'm doing a lot of work with leaders now um, to, as you say, disrupt themselves to go, well, either they're this or they're that. It's like, well, what else? Like what Mm -hmm. else is out there and what's the alternative? Um, But also this concept of, you know, I'm either really nice or I'm really mean. And if I'm going to be really nice, then this is the consequence. And it's like this switch that they flip as opposed to a, well, can you do a little bit of one over the other and, yeah. And I think um, the other concept um, that is really important in in that sort of scenario, Shelley, is it's actually being in the moment um, and, you know, that's what the self-innovation for personal growth is all about. So um, if you sort of think about the concepts we've spoken about, you know, bring the ampersand thinking to the the table and you look at your life along a path. Um, I think part of that thinking comes from, again, I've got to be this thing. Um, I'm in this job and my title is, you know, executive director of um, all things big. And I need to be this person because I've got 500 people in my team and that's what they expect. I think the biggest thing for me um, as a learning has been you've actually just really got to be authentic to yourself. And I think that comes to the um, that point around be clear about what you value um, and that comes back to that concept of zest and have the right energy and that energy takes you a really long way. And what um, having that energy um, actually generates a positivity that allows you to think a little bit differently. And that's where you don't have to be so black and white where I've got to be this person today and this person tomorrow or, you know, I have to be super tough because I'm in a hard negotiation and that's what they're expecting. Actually change it up mm. and be different. And, again, that's that's that courageous invitation, which is let go of those shackles that are holding you back, whether it's a fear, an expectation or something else. And I won't go into the detail again here, but in the book we, um, and it's something no one talks to you about as you're going through school or uni, um, is that there are different types of fear and those different types of fear actually generate different behaviours and, again, different triggers. And what we've done in the book is we've sought to give people examples um, of, as you read, if you have this type of fear, um, then you can actually take this approach or take these steps or actions that can actually allow you to voice those fears and characterise those fears in a way that you actually start to harness them and understand them better. Um, And I certainly um, didn't really understand that even up until, you know, doing the research for the book. Um, And it's been a really big um, learning curve for myself even that it's actually the thing that's likely to pave the foundation for success for most people, particularly in um, really difficult, tumultuous corporate environments. 
Um, so yeah. How much do you see fear of what others think or what others are going to do and being, you know, if you think about connection being foundational to our existence and and happiness and joy and you know you talk about collaboration and, and being able to bring other people along is you know connection is such a huge component of how we live and um so how does the fear of loss of connection um because often we hide parts of ourselves or we we I, I kind of think that that binary thinking does come back to an identity that others know us for and that if we aren't that, then maybe we're, we're not that person and that we don't fit and it becomes really complex and messy. Um, but how do you deal with that fear that it's important to be my authentic self but it's also okay that other people might not get that? Yeah, um, I think that's a really important lesson that a lot of us don't actually learn and we probably don't learn it um, until very late in our careers. For me, um, you know, I always reflect back and I, I I always hear Jeff talking to me because Jeff always says to me, um, and he's a larger than life kind of person, he he's really positive and he, he really drives people to be their best. And he always says, and, you know, we've um, shared many lectures together, we've um, collaborated a lot together, but what he also, what he always emphasises is that you've actually got to step out of your comfort zone. And, you know, ultimately he says, and who cares what other people think? Um, No matter what you do, people will say amazing or have something terrible to say about you. There's no right or wrong in any journey that you take. So, you know, it's step out of that comfort zone, be willing to do that. You know, some people need to step out a little bit. And I often say to people that um, I mentor, if you're not comfortable in taking that massive step, take a small step and then take another one and then take another one. Because what that will show you is people will always have something to say, but there's always a way to respond to it. And, you know, it's that old saying of, um, you know, water off a duck's back, really, because what what you need to do is actually be kind to yourself. Um, and most importantly, I think think about where your ego is. Mm-hmm. So what we see today a lot also is um, a really ego-focused kind of approach, and I think that comes from that self-centeredness or selfishness um, that we see a lot of. But if you actually let that ego fall away, and it's a natural thing, um, you know, that we have ego, it's inbuilt within who we are, but it's actually being able to moderate that. And that's where those inner advisors become really important and knowing which one to appoint um, at what point in time to have those conversations with yourself about who you need to be mm. um, at that moment. And, again, being in the moment is really important. So I that's my advice to, you know, people that are interested in the things that, you know, we talk about and we write about. Um, I sort of say to everybody, you know, really think about the thoughts you're having because they're the ones that are shaping the world that you're in today. Mm. And, um, you know, a, a person that some quite close to me often reminds me about, um, you know, Dr. Phil. And, you know, I know he's... Um, just a TV personality, but he always says to me, you know, Dr. Phil said on some episode many years ago that what you think will actually transpire. 
Um, and it's so true. If you have particular thoughts, you make those things come true and you make them happen in your life. Mm. So, you know, this is our opportunity to really shape the way we're thinking, um, to shape our lives and, you know, to shape those interactions and connections that we have with people. Mm. And I know a lot of people um, coming out of COVID, the working from home, you know, feel isolated and feel disconnected. And I think what we need to do as um, humans is recognise that everyone's in the same boat. And, you know, if um, if we're open and, you know, coming back to that concept of recipro- reciprocal contributions to everybody around us, reach out, connect with others, um, find those people again within your network and um, that, that do give you some value and that you get value to in some way. Um, and, you know, continue to build that on as you move throughout your career. Such um, simplistic practices that actually have huge effects. You know, you talk about um, the, uh, you know, I think about connection and um, the law of reciprocity, but also this law of attraction where it is if you're connecting and being in the moment and being your authentic self and, um, you know, embracing zest and flow as you talk about it, that you will attract like-minded um, people to come into your circle. And so um, I think that there's a little bit of courage required in my circle might change, like my networks might might change, and there's a little bit of fear that comes with the the change, And but it's good disruption and, and so being okay with it. It is a good disruption. And I think um, the other thing that's really important is to recognise that in disrupting yourself, um, you're actually disrupting yourself on a periodic basis. So um, a lot of people um, in their network, and look, I found this over time, once you work in a particular industry and if the industry is quite small, you sort of find yourself a little bit contained in, you know, the way you interact, the discussions you have. There's no fresh thinking um, within that sort of environment that you're in. So... You know, it's again, how do you really step out and come coming back to that S-curve or your journey, you've actually got to change your curve and look for different people that give you different things that you, you need to take that next step in personal development mm-hmm. um, or professional development, as the case may be. And I think a good example is, you know, people that have had a, a long-term corporate career, and I know that there's a lot of people um, as they come into their second Um, S-curve in life, late 40s, 50s, they sort of um, look back through their three decades or so of, you know, corporate life and think, actually, this is not what I want. Um, You know, I thought, again, coming back to your um, earlier comment about, you know, I went to uni, I did this, and I think I need to be on this journey. They just realise it's not about that. And, you know, people in that scenario really need to Um, reinvigorate themselves um, and really look at how they take that big step to the next S-curve. And, you know, having that fear, courage, connection and understanding what that means to you is really important. And in that scenario, and it's something that I'm, again, quite interested in, is the psychology about that next step. Because one of the things that it drives, and this is where the flow theory comes back into it, if you actually leverage your own strengths and you start to see yourself in the future, 
And one of the things we do in the book is we get people to look at their achievements and then write their own eulogy. And again, people say, why do you do that? And they don't understand the connection between the two. But what we're actually trying to show you is that, you know, again, the stories collide and that what you're doing today and where you've been doesn't have to be where you are tomorrow. So if you can sort of see the journey that you want to go on, in my in my example, on your second S curve, start looking around in, in a broader network of people that are doing different things. So if you want to make a career change because you're a lawyer and you want to move to, you know, something in business, find people that are doing that already or that have done similar things and talk to them about what opportunities and um, options they saw around them, um, themselves at the time and, you know, the thinking that they went through to get there. You know, they're some of the things that we can all do professionally and personally. Yeah, absolutely. It's um, been such a great conversation with you. And um, yeah, I think there's so many opportunities for leaders to start having these conversations with their people, but also themselves, like go introduce, introduce yourself to your inner advisors. <laughs> think about who my inner advisors are and whether, whether I actually know them that well. Um, and so, you know, having, having that conversation, but um, giving people the opportunity to have that as well. And I think um, your book, Courageous Invitations, is a really beautiful way to um Oh, it's a beautiful resource to support those conversations. So definitely recommend that. Um, but thank you so much for taking the time to come on the podcast um, with us, Anne. Billy, it's been amazing. And um, I hope um, if anyone does read the book, I hope they enjoy it. And um, it's been an amazing discussion with you. Absolutely. Thank you. And thank you, everyone, for listening. I look forward to another Dynamic Leader conversation with you soon. Thanks, Thanks again for listening to another episode of The Dynamic Leader. There is no better time than now to work through your leadership and people strategy, to establish what the future might look like for your business and how you might empower your people to help you succeed. It is through building the capability of your people and reducing their dependency on you that will keep you moving forward at pace and will see you remaining relevant in the future. I have worked with over 100 businesses across almost as many industries and seen firsthand the challenges that come with employing, engaging, and managing staff. If you're looking to improve how you lead, why not reach out for a conversation? In the meantime, thanks so much for joining me and stay awesome.